We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. We're past the Chicago game, and obviously it wasn't the performance we wanted to have, but, you know, we're moving on. Um, we still have 12 games to play, and we feel really good about our chances moving forward. And in this building, we know what we're capable, as, capable of as a team, um, and what's behind, it, what, what's, what's behind us is behind us. Um, and, and we're looking straight ahead, and we're looking forward to this game Sunday against Atlanta, um, against a good opponent, a really good defense. Um, and so we got to have a good week of preparation, and we're excited. The quarterback, Sam Howell, earlier today uh, on the day that quarterbacks speak in a normal Sunday game work week, saying they've put Chicago behind them. They are now focused on Sunday's game with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Wednesday's also the first day of serious practice in preparation for that game, a game in which Atlanta is favored by two and a half points at my bookie. Go to mybookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC to take advantage of an unheard of offer in the sportsbook world. MyBookie is offering my listeners only. You've got to use promo code KevinDC, a 110% cash bonus on your initial deposit. $50 minimum, $1,000 max. They're going to more than double your money in your account after your first deposit. You put in $100, bucks, you will have $210 when you use my promo code KevinDC. You put in $1,000, you'll have $2,100 before you've made your first wager at MyBookie. MyBookie.ag, promo code KevinDC, for this offer, which they've been nice enough and generous enough to offer for a couple of weeks running, but I think this is going to be the last week it's available. Even if you have a place where you're betting, take the free money. My bookie is one of these fair places. You're not going to get ripped off on pricing. You're not going to get bad lines. You're going to get fair point spreads, totals, money lines. They've got everything you'd want from a prop bet perspective, uh, and you're going to get free money. Uh, 110% cash bonus on your initial deposit. MyBookie.ag, promo code KevinDC. Atlanta, by the way, has won three games at home to start this season. They've only played one road game 
in their first five because one of their five games was in London against Jacksonville, a game they lost 23-7. to They're 3-0 and at home. They beat the Panthers in the season opener 24-10. to They beat the Packers on a late field goal 25-24 to in Week 2. And then last week they came from behind on the final drive of the game to beat Houston on a walk-off field goal 21-19. to That was the best game uh, for, for Desmond Ritter, their second-year quarterback of his career. He threw for over 300 yards and led them on that last-minute uh, drive for a game-winning field goal. They're 3-2 and two in a division that, let's face it, has been surprising so far. The NFC South was thought to be the worst division top to bottom. Tampa Bay's 3-1, and one. Atlanta's 3-2, and two. New Orleans is 3-2, and two. Carolina's 0-5. Some people liked Carolina before the season started. I actually thought they had a chance to be better than people thought. Uh, But they're 0-5, and, you know, Bryce Young has had a rough start to his rookie season, including some injury involved uh, there. Uh, The show today will include Steve Zabin. He'll be on in the next segment and the final segment. We'll get his thoughts on the quarterback, Sam Howell, and on Washington so far through five games, and I'm sure – a lot more uh, as well. Uh, I want to get to Sam Howell here at the beginning of the show. You'll hear what he said about Taylor Heineke coming up here uh, in a moment. But I saw two numbers out there today that I wanted to share with you. Uh, One was put out by Nick Ackridge. Nick is the pro football-focused data analyst who is a big Washington fan. We have Nick on the show. I had Nick on the radio show last week. Nick's great. He's been on the podcast several times. And he tweeted out, the following earlier today. Sam Howell has dropped back to pass 236 times, the most in the NFL. And he has the sixth highest adjusted completion percentage at 79.8%. It's not a surprise that he leads the league in dropbacks. We've watched all five games, and we know that they have you know, called pass plays a lot more than run plays in the first five games. The sixth highest adjusted completion percentage at 79.8% is excellent. And by the way, that adjusted completion percentage is something that factors in things like, you know, clocking the ball, spiking the ball to stop the clock, drop passes, and a few other things to give you a more accurate completion percentage based on, you know, just the quarterback's involvement in the play. Uh, There's another part to Nick's tweet about that, you know, about those two numbers. And it, I'm reading it to you because it's exactly what I thought for the most part when I read the first part. Nick tweeted, EB, Eric Bieniemy has thrown him directly in the deep end to start the season, and I love it. The best way for him to learn is to not baby him and see what he can do. I pretty much agree with that wholeheartedly. And it's something that we kind of picked up on, right, in week two. You know, even after the first week, we were like, man, that was a lot of dropbacks. That was a lot of called pass plays. That was a heavy pass-to-run ratio in the first half, and it got him in trouble. You know, it put him in a hole against Arizona. And then we saw the same thing in Denver. And I said, I think, after the Denver game, look, something is becoming kind of clear through two weeks. Eric Bieniemy is focused on instilling his philosophy, his offensive philosophy, right from the jump. 
And at the same time, he wants to find out whether or not Sam Howell is the quarterback to execute that philosophy. The philosophy being we're going to be aggressive, we're going to throw the football a lot more than we're going to run it because that's how you win in the NFL today. And I'm not going to baby Sam Howell. I'm going to throw him to the wolves a little bit here early. We're going to see if we've got the right guy. And, you know, it kind of became that balance of, you know, long game, you know, instilling philosophy, you know, giving the quarterback even more than you would typically give a first-time quarterback, a, a, an inexperienced quarterback that had only started one game and not even a real legitimate game at the end of last year. And, you know, I questioned not the philosophy, and I didn't question, question the long-game approach. In fact, I said there's something to be said for that. I mean, they're not going to the Super Bowl this year. But the Buffalo game, it became clear that the kind of drop back, the kind of pass play call um, had to change a little bit because the pure drop back was just not something that was working very well, in part because of the offensive line and in part because of Sam Howe. And so, you know, we saw much more in Phil- against Philadelphia and even against Chicago when they were down. We saw much more quick game. We still saw a lot of pass and heavy pass to run, even though in the Philadelphia game, the pass to run ratio was the tightest that we've seen in any of the games. Um, But, or certainly, you know, in a game that was competitive, uh, and the Chicago game got sideways pretty quickly. Um, But I think, I don't mind Eric Biennemi thinking long-term, and I love that Eric Biennemi has adjusted uh, you know, not moving away from his philosophy, not moving away from not babying Sam Howell, but allowing him to thrive with the forward pass in a way in which they can play football and be competitive and they can really evaluate. Because the Buffalo game was not an evaluation game. You can't you you can't do that over and over again. And like like I said that you know after that game, based on what Ron said, you know Ron definitely stepped in and said, "We got it. I don't have a problem with being a pass first team. I want you to you know have the autonomy to instill your philosophy. We're both all in on learning what we got with Sam Howell, but." drop back right now, pure five-step and more drop back is not sustainable. Uh, And plus, we're going to get him killed. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. Not that it was a surprise on the drop back. The sixth highest adjusted completion percentage is excellent. So I wanted to also mention something else that's out there today. It's not as flattering of Sam. In fact, it's unflattering of Sam's work through five days, uh, through five games, excuse me. Um, But I wanted to share it with you anyway, because many of you sent this to me. Uh, Full disclosure, I'm not familiar with the gentleman who put this out there. I'm not familiar with his work. His name is Travis May. Uh, He's more of a college football guy, it would appear, based on his Twitter handle. He was with Fantasy Pros, which is a pretty big outfit and a a legitimate sort of football um, analytical uh, uh, site. But anyway, this is what he did. And the reason I'm going to read it to you is because the results, the output, seems intuitive to me. It seems like it's probably right. 
Uh, what he did was, in layman's terms, is he ranked the quarterbacks in the NFL based on their sacks taken and those that took those sacks based on something that was more attributable to what they did uh, versus you know the offensive line or coverage, et cetera, having you know culpability for the sack. And the quarterback with, and it was a probability over expected model that this guy put together. I'm not going to get it into the weeds on that because a lot of you, I'm, I think it's easier just to say this is a ranking of the quarterbacks where you see the, the quarterback that is the best in the league at avoiding sacks or when he takes a sack, it's not his fault. It's the offensive line's fault or it's you know great coverage or whatever. That, by the way, was Patrick Mahomes by a mile. And then the quarterback that was last or was the most likely to take a sack based on something uh, attributable to him, Sam Howell, by a lot, by a big disparity over Daniel Jones. Uh, So the reason I put that out there is because, first of all, I think we've all seen that, right? We know that a lot of these sacks that he's taken are based on him processing speed, trying to make a play, holding on to it lo- too long, et cetera. You know, all of it leads to holding on to it too long, and he's taken, you know, a record-breaking, you know, stretch of, of sacks. I mean, he's on a, on a pace to shatter the NFL record. And so the reason I, I put it out there is <clears throat> I do think, and I don't want to be, I don't want to be hyperbolic here, this is a fatal flaw. If it doesn't get better... He's not the guy. You can't play a quarterback that takes sacks at the rate that he's taking them at with the majority of them, we believe, his fault. The most likely to take a sack based on something that he's doing or not doing. It's too much lost yardage. It's too many punts. It's too many turnovers to be consistent enough offensively to overcome it. With that said, my belief is that a lot of this, a lot of his ranking is based on the Arizona game and Buffalo games. And he was much better in the Philadelphia game and Chicago game. I think Eric Bieniemy gets a lot of credit for that because I think their pass offense was more in line with trying to avoid what we saw in the Buffalo game and in the Arizona game. But I just wanted to put it out there because this is something that we are going to, you know, take real pleasure in a guy that can really throw it, a guy that can really create off schedule, a guy that's really tough and gritty, et cetera, et cetera. But this is one of those, you know, numbers that is borderline fatal, hard to overcome. It's got to be something that improves. And again, maybe the last two games were much more improved. I would say that they probably were. And maybe he keeps getting better. We've heard that he's a fast learner, that he autocorrects himself. And if he's coached well and he's coached out of this stuff, then the other stuff becomes, hey, you got something. You really do. But he can't lead the league in sacks attributed to him, especially given how many he's taking. That is not sustainable. This is what he said, by the way, earlier today about playing last year with Taylor Heineke. Taylor's the best. Uh, just being here with Taylor and 
just getting to learn from him. Obviously, kind of last year was was crazy with how everything kind of went down. Um, but yeah, just seeing how he is as a person on a daily basis, and he's such a good teammate, such a good guy, and everybody loves him. And just seeing how he goes about his life and how he goes about his job and and playing the position, um, definitely learned so much from him. Um, and he he was just always someone that was so willing to help me learn. Um, and so it, it was definitely definitely a fun time. And, he, and he's a great dude. Um, we we still talk every now and then, so it'll be fun to see him before the game. Two-thirds of a quarterback room last year that was high quality in terms of the individuals. Uh, That's uh, for sure. Uh, We won't see Taylor Heineke on Sunday unless Desmond Ritter gets hurt, I would imagine. That would be the only way we would see Taylor Heineke, especially after Desmond Ritter played so well uh, last week. Uh, One more thing before I get to Zabe. The Orioles getting swept. Uh, This is meaningful to a lot of you. I know a lot of listeners to this podcast are Orioles fans. I knew a lot of people that went to the games at Camden Yards over the weekend. Man, does it happen quickly in October. It's over quickly in October. 101 wins for Baltimore this year, a division title, six months of joy, six months of this long ride of, good God, they are really good. They've got a chance to win the World Series. They've got a chance to play a lot of games in October. And in four days, it's over. Three losses in four days, it is over. Uh, It's just such a cruel postseason sport. I'm not saying that, you know, endings in other sports aren't cruel as well. But the other sports, it doesn't it doesn't happen as quickly. Look, one-and-done sports it does, okay? But we understand the nature of one-and-done. Those regular seasons are shorter. You know, the NFL season is you know, 17 games, not 162. It's not six months. You're not sitting there anticipating the playoffs for six months, and then it's over in four days. Um, but, you know, when a number one seed goes down in the NFL playoffs, it's shocking, it's brutal, it's painful. The Packers and the Titans two years ago as one seeds went down in their first game. The Packers to the 49ers, remember, in that 13-10 to 10 game, didn't they have a block punt for a touchdown? I mean, it's it, the suddenness of it. You know, NCAA tournament one and done is the most sudden, I think, because, you know, when you're a two seed or a three seed and you lose to a 15 or a 14, or in Virginia's case, lose to a 16, after 30 games and... 28 wins in a conference championship. It is so, so brutal to have it end in two hours. You know, the one and dones are kind of a different deal. Baseball in the series sports is the most abrupt because in basketball, you know, first of all, their regular seasons are longer, but their postseasons, they're all best of sevens. And then, you know, you don't play back to back games. You know, you play game one on a Sunday, and then game two is Wednesday night, and then game three is Saturday. Like, if you go down in four straight in the best of a, in the best of seven, it's a week and a half. It's at least a week in baseball. Four days, three losses, done. I mean, after just anticipating for six months this possibility. And by the way, with the Orioles, it was even worse because the last two games weren't even competitive. They were down 9-2 to two in the third inning of Game 2 on Sunday, and last night down 6 nothing after two innings. 
I mean, it doesn't change the fact that they had a great regular season, but man, the payoff in October for what you invested during the course of the season, it just doesn't seem fair. I've said this. I said it to Tommy yesterday, and I know I've said it a couple of times previously. I think this round, regardless of what, how, you know, if it pushes the World Series back two or three days, this round should be best of seven. I mean, if you're going to play 162 and you're going to be the one seed, you know, don't give them a short series. The short series favors the underdog. It favors the lesser team. And at least allow for the team and its fans to have more than four days. Best of seven, sweeps don't happen that much. You're going to get probably a week at least of playoff baseball before it's over. Tonight, by the way, it could be, you know, a quick exit for the Dodgers, who won 100 games and they're playing Arizona, a team that won 84 and barely qualified for the last wildcard spot. Uh, I feel badly for Orioles fans. I know how, you know, how much so many of you were anticipating, you know, the, the playoffs this year and them being a big part of it for a while. And it ended quickly. Uh, Don't forget to rate us and review us if you have a chance on Apple and Spotify in particular. Um, A quick two-sentence review on Apple with a five-star rating is much appreciated. Also, our podcast is presented by Window Nation. Call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com for the deal of the year. More on that deal coming up. Uh, when we talk to Steve Zabin next, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. 
That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Zade coming up here in just a minute uh, after I tell you about Window Nation. If windows are something that you've been thinking about, just give Window Nation a shot. That's all I'm asking. Call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. If you've got older windows, 10 years of age or older, if you want your home to look better, if you want to save on your energy bills, they will help you out. They've been helping everybody uh, out for a long time. I've sent so many people over the years to Window Nation, and it always works out. They're going to take good care of you. You mention my name, you'll get a free estimate. And right now, their fall deal is as good a deal as you'll get all year long. Buy two, get two free with no limit, with no money down, no payments, and no interest for two full years. So you'll have these windows in your home, brand new, making your home look better, decreasing uh, your energy bills, your air conditioning, and your heating bills. And you're not going to pay for them until the year 2025. And when you start paying for them, you're going to pay half price. Buy two, get two free, no limit. No money down, no payments, no interest until the year 2025. Window Nation is the best. They're top five window retailer in America, but they make all of their windows locally. They measure each window three times to ensure proper fit. It works for everybody that's used them. Try them out. Give them a shot. Call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. All right, jumping on with us right now is Steve Zabin. Uh, We are trying to figure out where we are in our Home and Home series. We'll figure that out. I'm going to do Zabe's podcast next, I'm sure, if we remember that we both did this one today on my podcast. I cannot remember. I I literally, this is like the standoff between... Maryland and Georgetown, or I guess more specifically, it was Gary and John Jr., right? Well, it was Lefty and John first, and then it became Gary and John, yes. And Gary, being the fiery type that he is, was not going to let bygones be bygones. He inherited that thing, and he's like, no, till they come out to play us, we ain't playing them. Well, you know... Coach and I would have it out occasionally in the bullpen about this. You know, the one thing that I loved. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. The the thing that I loved about Coach so much is that. Coach you know, being Coach Thompson, not Gary. Yeah, Coach Gary Thompson. has been in our studios as well. He has, but every single day Coach was in our in our studios because he did the show right after mine for right. many for many years. And and I loved right. Coach and I miss him dearly, but you know, he would do that thing in the bullpen where he'd go, um, why motherfucker would we want to play you? <laughs> you know, and I and I would say, well, you know, MFR, we played you for all those years when you weren't anything. <laughs> you know, and it would just go back and forth, and you know, his whole thing was always that, and he didn't. You know, this was we knew one thing about Coach; he would tell you exactly the way he felt. Um, and he said, you know, from the jump, I, I was not building a local program. I was building a national program. And he did. 
He built a, an iconic pop culture phenomena college basketball program for for many years. And because of that and because of the formation of the Big East and the way he liked to schedule in the non-conference, Hello St. Leo or Hawaii Hilo, um, he didn't want to have anything to do with Maryland for a long period of time. And uh, and th- and that was a shame because the the area missed out on what should be even today an annual you know top five sporting event on the local calendar. When a small Catholic school from D.C. is having rappers in L.A. wear starter jackets that say Hoyas on it, yeah, that's when you know there is a major cultural phenomenon going on right now. It yeah, was, the thirty for thirty on the Hoyas was amazing. Yeah, well, it was. But then again, you and I lived it. You and I lived it growing up here. So yeah, we did. We did. So um, anyway, I, I think the last time you and I did something, it was on your podcast. I'm pretty sure. Uh, okay, but we'll just we'll treat it as such, and you owe me return date. Uh, return date in the near future. We don't know when. TBA. Order filled. Um, so speaking of order filled, Zabe said, give me five minutes. I'm powering down some Chipotle right now. I had a conversation (laughs) two days ago with my producer Denton on the air, and I don't know how Chipotle came up. I can't even remember what the context was. Um, I'm off Chipotle used to be one of my favorites. I'm now off of it. I, I, it's been six months. I don't know. I don't know why. I think the last oh, time I went, on. well, I think it wasn't Is it that a combination of things. It wasn't a terrible experience. Escalating prices. No, it, it would never for me in terms of a product that I like in sort of the fast casual format, which is what Chipotle is. It wouldn't be about price. I mean, what are we talking about? I mean, a couple of bucks here or there. Um, it's product quality. Uh, <laughs> well. Listen to Mister One Percenter there. No, I mean, I just my lunch. My lunch was just nineteen dollars. <laughs> Did you have you seen the latest of the, those um, Geico commercials? <laughs> you know where you know you don't become your you know your parents and um, you know it's it, 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 it. I forget what the older gentleman's name is who ends up being on on all of these, but they're t- he's taking this group of parents, young you know through. Uh, Professor like a, Rick. Yeah, Professor Rick. Name. He's taking him through like a sweet green or a chopped, you know, one of these salad places. Yeah. And, and yeah. They, you know, they say, well, what kind of rice would you like? And they, they're just completely stumped, you know, brown. <laughs> what? And But the, be- the best is when the, kid, the guy gets the cash register, sir, that'll be $19.95. And he pulls out this wallet with shit falling out of the wallet. And he says, oh, no, 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 I'm just paying for mine (laughs) (laughs) that's good yeah well okay so you tell me um bowl of chicken with white rice no cilantro i make the poor line server go to the back get out of the heating cabinet the rice that is yet to be soiled by the vile grass clippings that is Cilantro. Oh, you don't like cilantro. And they get a scoop of that out of the unsoiled, you know, white rice. Blows everything up. People behind me are staring daggers in my back of my head, <laughs> but I don't care. They should have a separate bin 
They should have a separate bin right there. Cilantro rice, plain white rice. Stop it already. Anyway, so I get plain white rice, chicken and cheese. That's it. And I got a small queso and a small bag of chips and a small soda. Ding, 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 $19. I mean, that's that's steep. That's the, that hurts right there. That's $12 retail in a just world. Look, everything is ridiculous now. I mean, I go in. I to, know, but why? I mean, coffee, like, like a coffee is eight more. bucks. Uh, it's supply chain. It's, I, I don't know what it is. Uh, honestly, at this point, um, I mean, do we really want to go down the path of talking about our, our fiscal policies in this country right now? Well, Let's not. No, um, no, 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 no. I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. I know that inflation is real. I know that it's yeah. caused by printing too much money, and we've done that. That said, I believe there's got to be some opportunism from establishments, restaurants, companies, stores, to say we'd be crazy not to raise our prices Everyone else is. Right. We are still getting our widgets, our cilantro, our whatever at the same price. But why are we not taking advantage of this? I wouldn't say it's gouging, but it's opportunistic. There's got to be some of that going on. Um, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. But let me just get back to your one percenter comment because I, I, I remember yeah. it. I remember it clearly. I'm I'm a one percenter too. Uh, the the whole to me to me fast casual fast food, I'm never thinking about price. Now when you go to a good restaurant for dinner, that's when I start, you know, doing the value equation. Was it worth it or wasn't it right. worth it? I mean, whether it's nineteen bucks or sixteen bucks, it's it, it, it that that isn't a big deal to me. It's the product quality. So I right. I always liked Chipotle, and I was very much more of a burrito bowl, and I I loaded up my burrito bowl much more than you did. Um, <laughs> by the way, right. you but, think I get a discount? You'd think I would get a discount for being such a picky Pete plain eater. Look at all the stuff I could have had them had, and they didn't. Do I get a break? No. So now I'm kind of remembering how this conversation came up. It came up with something having to do with them going to robot, um, basically robots handling the Chipotle lines and fast food lines. and. And I'm one, and I said, well, I wonder whether or not at Chipotle, when you ask the robot to mix up the bowl before they put the top on it, or mix up the burrito, because that's actually a good move. I see people do that all the time, you know, especially with a burrito. Yeah. You know, can you mix it up for me? Um, right. But what what I do with the burrito bowl is I just shake it before I open it. <laughs> I just shake it before I open well, it. That's- that works as well. Well, look, all these fast food places are going to automate as much as possible because the minimum wage has gone up so much. Yeah. And I mean, that's a fact of life. Um, what do you, what is, what's your position been on as we switch subjects abruptly? What's your position been on the brotherly shove, the, the tush push? Well, brilliant play according to the rules as they exist now by the Eagles. They do it better than anyone else. I do not believe in the uh, thought of, well, you know, Jalen Hurts never misses leg day. He squats this many pounds. That's why he's good at it. I mean, it doesn't hurt, but the real thing is they've got the technique and the horses up front 
to do it. So they're better at it than everybody else. Other teams are trying. They're having some success, but not nearly as much. They're going to get better, other teams, as they do it. They'll probably never get as good as the Eagles. Now, I think the play is going to be outlawed, and I think it should be outlawed under this under a variety of reasons. But first of all, it is impossible to officiate, number one. Number two, if it goes, it's antithetical, I think, to the game of football in that you're not supposed to be able to help push, carry, pull, uh, put on your shoulders, throw a ball carrier to advance him. You know, the ball carrier should get the yards on his own other than the guys blocking in front of him. That's the essence of football. So the play is antithetical to what football is. It is impossible, getting more and more hard to officiate, as you saw in the commander's game. And it is potentially an increased injury risk, although I hate to lean into that because the whole sport is insanely dangerous. And so I don't like cherry-picking, oh, it's a dangerous play. But the other argument against is that you, you don't, you're not allowed to push defensively to help yourself on special teams plays. They don't let you line up over the center anymore. Well, that's a great play. Now can I go back to lining up over the center so I can actually stop the play? So yeah. I think it, it's going to be I think it's going to be banned, and I think it should be banned. There you go. Yeah, I'm with you. I agree with you on that. And I think there, you know, the the discussion about well, how do you ban it? What? How do you? What's the rule that that bans the play? Because in you legislating can't push it, a player. Um, but you what can't about push a player? It's but, just like, but what about pushing yeah. a player beyond the line of scrimmage? Can't do that either. Yeah, but see, that becomes very hard, and this is this is the way I would explain it. Once you get a ball carrier going downfield, and now you've got a big offensive lineman actually trailing rather than being in front of that ball carrier, right. it's right. hard to dist- distinguish between an offensive lineman trying to block um, you know, somebody in front while simultaneously maybe pushes okay. it. To me, to All me, right. the rule. Two, two, two fixes. Yeah. Fine. I, I hear you on that. Two fixes. One, you could just say you can't push a ball carrier behind the line of scrimmage. That's, that's what I've said. Easy thing. Or you could go, you cannot push a quarterback behind the line of scrimmage. Well, then you'll just line up a running or, back behind the center. Well, okay. You can't, you can't push the person who takes the snap mm-hmm. from behind the line of scrimmage. There. There's your language right there. That fixes it right there. That's exactly what I've I proposed. Agree that, yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. I, and yeah. I think I mean, it's got to be from the line of scrimmage. It's the line of scrimmage and behind it because, uh, you know, the, the snap technically the quarterback can get to the line of scrimmage quickly and then you can push him. So it's the line of scrimmage and behind it. There's no pushing of any ball carrier. And that, that's an easy rule. Then you can keep the pushing downfield. You know, they outlawed the pulling a few years ago. I know. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 yeah absolutely. Um, let's talk some NFL through five weeks. Uh, is it obvious to you that the 49ers are the best team in the league? I mean, to everybody. They're an absolute unit. They're incredible to watch. I should hate them more than I do. I'm, I'm finding myself liking it more and more because I like the individual players. I think the Purdy phenomenon is fascinating. He's tearing it up right now. Um, the uniforms, I'm a uniform geek, and they're so perfect. They're so gorgeous. 
And uh, it's hard not to go, wow, what a team. Look at look at them do what they do. It's steamrolling towards the Eagles Niners again, but then again, that's not going out on a limb. A lot of people had that before the season. So yeah, they're they're awesome to watch. And they've done it having completely fucked up the entire situation with Trey Lance, which is kind of staggering. Yeah. All the picks. And yet I mean, imagine the talent they'd have on the team if they had those picks, potentially. So one of the things that I in describing the 49ers the last couple of weeks in watching them, I can't remember, and maybe you can, I can't remember a team that has so many offensive players that are so hard to tackle. You know, every once in a while right. you end up with, you know, just an incredibly physical running back or a great after the catch, yards after contact receiver or tight end. George Kittle's impossible to bring to the ground with one or two tacklers. Debo Samuel, the same thing. McCaffrey is tough to tackle. This dude, Jordan Mason, the other night, you could not get him down with one tackler. I just think it's one of those things that just sticks out to me every time I watch them. How many yards after contact they get with, and it must be what they're looking for in offensive players, high skill, high talent, but then this incredible competitive, you know, tough, I'm not going to get tackled by more you know, unless you have three people on my back. Can you yeah, remember a team does, like that? <clears throat> no, you're right. You're right. That's a good observation, but why isn't every other team looking for that? I they must be, right? How do you spot that? How do you get that sense? I have no idea. I know this. They have what I call more one-of-one players than any other team, being that there's no real replica to that type of player. I mean, Debo is a one-of-one, a guy who can play running back and wide receiver equally well and is also a tough tough son of a bitch. McCaffrey is a one-of-one. I think Bosa is a one-of-one, even though the league has a lot of Really good edge rushes right now, doing their thing. Um, Fred Warner is a one of one. And Kittle went healthy. Kittle went healthy, not a one of one because he comps to Kelsey. Um, but still, incredible to watch in action. And 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 a lot of these guys were. I mean, what, what was Kittle? Fifth round pick. Yeah. Purdy, Mister Irrelevant. They're finding the dudes, man. Full tip of the cap to your boy Kyle, and to Lynch. Who's a bit of a pretty boy? They got it rolling now. The question is, how big is their window, and when do they have to pay Purdy after next year? Do they get three cheap years of Purdy and then have to pay him money, or is it after this no, year they got to pay it, him? It's when you know, non-first rounder means no fifth-year option. It's four years of a deal. He's in the second year of his deal, so it wouldn't be until after. No, okay, hold on. Oh, no, I, I know what you're saying. When versus... No, no. No, not, yeah. I, let me rephrase it. Yep. They don't have to pay him until four years. Right. Most teams like to pay their guy as soon as they can, but they're prohibited, are they not, from paying him until this offseason, two years in? Uh, I don't know if that's true. I actually don't know if that's true. I think, I, I think that you cannot pay a guy until two years in, according to the... Stupid ass CBA that these players signed onto. I didn't. I'll look that up. I, I didn't know that. That wouldn't make sense. Actually, I'm not sure who that would benefit. Um, don't you remember Alfred Morris couldn't get paid right away I after do, one year? 
I don't remember that, but I think we have a new CBA since then. But anyway, back to Purdy here for a moment because it brings up an interesting, you know, question, and that is, let's say that they do win a Super Bowl with Purdy. Let's say Purdy continues to play at the level that he's playing at, but there's this feeling that Garoppolo, they got there, they were within a quarter up 10 of closing it out. Um, you know, Kyle nearly did it with Matt Ryan in Atlanta. Uh, what if they decide not to pay him and they go to the next Purdy? <laughs> That'd be something. By the way, since the 2011 DBA, rookie deals are locked in for your deals. They cannot sign an extension until after the third year. Wow. I didn't know that. So there you go. I didn't know that. There Good you f- go. Nice job. So they got they got Purdy. They got Purdy for a million dollars, you know, for another year yeah. after this. But it's amazing. Yes. Yeah, so is he good? Like, here's the thing: how good is he? He's good. I'll give you that. How good is he? He really grew on me Sunday night more than any other game. Uh, I, I I've been sitting back saying I have no idea because with Kyle. I've seen this now for years, going back to Matt Schaub. Everybody looks good in his scheme. Everybody, like Cooley always explains about the whole Shanahan scheme, they're just easy answers for the quarterback always, and and that's the way it's designed. And so if you're able to throw a football and and be smart, you're going to be, you know, halfway successful in that scheme. Um I don't know. What do you think? I mean, he grew on me the other night. What I saw on him, there's a toughness to him. He throws a really nice ball that's catchable. He's decisive. Even though he's not super tall, he doesn't play small. Um, I kind of like him. I, 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 I love him. I love the story of him. I would love to see him, though, on the Giants right now. Just show me that. Yeah. Because I do not believe. You'd be like, what happened to this guy? So, we'll see. That's part of what makes sports fun is the eternal mystery of not knowing if a guy is good or not and having guys come out of nowhere. And the Mr. Irrelevance out there becoming basically the talk of the league. It's cool. It's fun. I like him, though. I like his like his moxie, like the cut of his jib, even like his parents in the stands, although some people are starting to bitch now. Do we have to see them every game? What are you gonna do? You know the guy that found Brock Purdy for Kyle and John Lynch was Brian Greasy. You know, Greasy's like an adopted son of the Shanahan's. He left the booth to try to get involved in coaching, and he's the one that really pushed them with that last pick. He said, This kid's played so much football, he can do this at this level. And after he got that right, he's their quarterback's coach um this year. But Uh, What I was going to say was guys that play as much football as Purdy did in college are starting to get more run even if they're not the physical freaks. Like playing a lot at the college level certainly makes them readier, I guess more ready when they get into the NFL. He played a lot at Iowa State. Um, Anyway. Uh, Yeah, no, that's interesting. I did not know that. I mean, look, you got the last pick in the draft. It's a throwaway pick. So why not take a quarterback? I'm surprised there's not a run 
on quarterbacks in the seventh round by teams right. say, hey, we just want to get this guy in our camp, see what he's made of, run him through some things. You would think, right, for it being such an unstaffable position league-wide, QB1, that there'd be more investment in it. There's not. There's some drafts where there's like three quarterbacks taken in the first five rounds. And you're like, really? No one else needs a quarterback. You don't need an insurance plan. You don't need a backup. Last year, 64 quarterbacks started games. So double the league. Got to start. Some teams, I think half the teams stuck with their QB1 and then the other half had a mixture of QB2 and a few QB3s in there as well. Starting games. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking through just to see if there are years in which there are runs on quarterbacks, but it's hit and miss. Like the year Purdy came out, there were three of them taken in the seventh round. And then a few years ago, there were four taken in the seventh round. But, you know, the history of day three quarterbacks in general, it's such a needle in a haystack thing. Yeah. You know, um, that. They look for guys that can play early on special teams, I guess. Or, you know, in Washington's case, they look at a long snapper, the guy that they drafted in the sixth round a few years ago. Real quickly before we get to – Well, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm now digging this seventh-round discussion at quarterback. Yeah. Because you and I remember uh, the Hawaiian slinger that the Redskins <laughs> took, and sadly he, he died yeah, of a truck overdose. Yeah. Did he not? Yeah, Culp Brennan. I think he was – was he seventh was he... or – I think he was sixth. I think he was. Sixth round, okay. There was also a handsome Stanford quarterback who was like a seventh rounder back in 2000 or so that a young oh. Ram Weinstein befriended. Oh, yes. Ham- Hamden? Right now. I, Ham- huh? Was it Hamden or something like that? Yes. Not no Gibran Hamden? Yeah, Gibran Hamden, but he wasn't Stanford. No, no, I'm thinking of a Stanford guy. That uh, hold on, I'm I'm that, lo- I'm looking for it. And 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 I remember, you know, in August, these seventh rounders get in there for some garbage time against the UPS truck drivers of America. Todd Husek, and they look pretty good. Todd Husek. Todd Husek. Yep, old Todd Husek. <laughs> so for every Brock Purdy, there's a pile of Todd Huseks thrown away in the garbage. Jabron Hamden, seventh rounder from Indiana in 2003. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the way, in, 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 in 2001, the Marty year, he's the one that drafted Sage Rosenfels, who actually was in the league for a while, wasn't he? I know. I'm pretty sure he was. I know. He got a, he got a few starts. This morning we were talking on my show. In, the, in Milwaukee about the Kurt Benkert comments about clashing with uh, Matt LaFleur on his way out. And Benkert was, I believe, undrafted out of Virginia, but was QB3 behind Rodgers and Love for three years. And, you know, he was talking about, you know, how it is to be a you know low quarterback on the totem pole and politics and the personalities involved and i said i i feel for you if you didn't get along and that's why you're no longer in the league but it's all about playing the game if you're that guy because the guy who played the game like a chess master is chase daniel chase daniel 
was in the league up until last year. I think he's not on a roster this He's year. not. I've, I've, Chase yeah. Daniel made $41 million, yeah. Dollars yeah. and he played five games. I know. I remember the first day he walked out at Redskin Park, didn't know who he was. I was like, who's that shrimp? They go, that's that quarterback from Missouri. I go, what? That guy? 13 years, $41 million a year later of just break glass in case. Crazy. Well, well, you know, I've I've done the Chase Daniel segment on on the show many times before, and oh, yeah. and I and I bet you've done it as well, because and and the last time I did it was really in talking about Geno Smith because Geno Smith was now Geno Smith had legitimate talent, like nobody questioned his Geno arm Smith talent coming out talent. second round pick the whole yeah. thing, but. These these quarterbacks that stick around forever, but are clearly not guys that you would play without having to break glass first, are clearly smart, great in the quarterback room, great in the locker room. You know, have some leadership and mentorship ability. Like you, the Chase Daniel business win is one of the all-time greats in the history of the NFL. Forty-one million dollars, five starts. Yeah, like Jacoby Brissett has kind of now he has started more games, but Jacoby Brissett, everybody says about Brissett, what a great dude. He is one of the most beloved guys in your locker room. He can play a little bit. You just can't start him for seventeen games. Colt McCoy, same thing. Now Colt started a lot oh, more yeah, games. Colt- um, Old, very similar. Yeah, but, I'll, I'll never forget what our colleague and friend and former radio partner at Times, Larry Weissman, formerly a USA yeah. Today, said about, uh, I forget, some backup for the Redskins. He said, yeah, he's good as a backup as long as you don't have to play him. Right. And it was such a great line. He's great as a backup as long as you don't have to play him. It makes you sit there and think, like, well, wait a Okay, well, what do you mean? Okay, I think I get it. He looks the part. You feel like he might be able to play, but you really don't want to play him for more than a hot minute before it goes south. I mean, how is Nathan? How is Nathan Peterman still in the Peterman's league? Peterman right? still in the league? I have no idea. Yeah, and it's that, that is a truly confounding thing. How is Blaine Gabbert still right. in the league? No, and then you look at somebody like, you know, RG3 or Josh Rosen. See, here's the thing. It's a great life lesson for, for all of you youngsters listening. Be a good yeah, person. Be manageable. Be coachable. Be helpful. Go beyond the job description. You know, it's, it, it show up to work every day. You know, there's like... These are the kinds of people that, okay, for our third-string quarterback, we don't want a headache. We want somebody who's smart. We want somebody who will do anything we ask him to do. And, and by the way, is, is okay. And $41 million later, Chase Daniel. Um, yeah. So, Washington. Oh, real quickly, you, who were you talking about when you said had a disagreement with Matt LaFleur on his way out? Did you say Rodgers? Because you broke up there for Kurt, a second. Kurt, sorry, no, Kurt Banker. Bankert, okay, got it. Kurt okay. Banker. Uh, so he was the third-round guy. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, he was the third-string guy. I think he was undrafted. Yeah. And he was on the roster, practice squad roster, as the QB3 for three years. And, you know, kind of, he was like the Earl Badu. 
of the Packers. <laughs> There's a reference for people. Yeah. Um, so he's a little bit of a mascot. Like, old Bankard is there, right? Yeah. Well, by the, you by know, the way, rest he, in he peace. Created, he did a lot of Bender. online gaming stuff. Yeah. He did a lot of social media stuff, which I think the team probably didn't love him doing. But, you know, he's doing that now. And he, he, it's interesting. He's bringing some things to the table. And they're his side of the story, so who knows how true it is or what he's leaving out. But it's interesting. He had a high praise for Kyle, big time, because he played under Kyle as well. Uh, he said, uh, Kyle has an insatiable desire to understand everything that's going on, the whys of everything, of, of the offense, of the plays. He said, I'll take any play. It doesn't matter if it's his or somebody else's or if he kind of stole it from another team, that he's insatiable. He's a maniac in that regard. And he said that Kyle also has a really good ability to go from being just a dude, from being Kyle, to being Coach Shanahan. And that's a hard thing to pull off. He had high praise for him, and I forget the other coordinator he played under, but yeah, he said him and, him and LaFleur did not get along. All right. Well, maybe this is the perfect segue into a conversation about Sam Howell. Is Sam Howell going to be one of those longtime starters in the NFL or because he's apparently a great kid, uh, incredibly coachable, has some skill and talent? Is he going to be a guy that just lingers on NFL rosters for the next 12 years but never becomes anything substantial? Let's let Zabe answer that and talk more about his thoughts on what he's seen from Washington uh, over the first five weeks of the season. We'll do that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We continue with Zabe right after I thank David Kotler for dropping off my dad's chips, potato chips. They were excellent. Uh, Gary Adele is the founder of my dad's chips. Uh, David's a longtime listener of the station and a fan of the podcast as well. 
And uh, that was very nice of you, David. The chips were enjoyed by everybody in the house over the weekend. The barbecue were excellent. The original flavor, great. Uh, The French onion chips were pretty damn good. Uh, You can find out more at mydadschips.com. So, Zabe, uh, what are your thoughts on Sam Howell so far through five games? I mean, I haven't taken a deep enough look, and I wouldn't claim to be smart enough sitting on the couch scratching my belly button to really know. So it's all a guess. I like him, and I like the fact that commanders have somebody they can really roll with here for a while uh, to see where, where he goes, where he takes his game. But part of me says, eh, he could be Gardner Minshew 2.0. A brief sensation. And then... Whatever happened to that guy? Now, Mitchell's getting spot starts in Indy now. Yeah. He's playing pretty well. But is he really a franchise quarterback? Nah, he's a QB one and a half kind of guy. Yeah, we did uh, something a while back. I said, give me your, your hunch. This was before the season started. Give me your hunch on what, what the... Would, what would be the best... What would, what is your best Sam Howell comp? Yes, that's what I... Your, Worst Sam Howell comp. <laughs> that was what I was just going to propose to you. We we Sorry. think we think the same player thing. So before the season started, I think my answer was Andy Dalton, best case, and you know I hope that it's something like Colt McCoy, worst case, uh, but it could be worse than that. But I was trying to keep it somewhat positive because Colt McCoy has been a longtime backup in the league and a and an occasional spot starter, but. I don't know that I would change it on on the best case from where I was before the season started. Um, There's still some things that bother me about Sam Howell, but I am definitely more encouraged than... I didn't know what to expect, Zabe, and I kept telling people, I don't know how you guys know. We we, we haven't seen him play in the NFL. No. Like 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 can we we gotta see him play a few games. The few games have been more encouraging than discouraging, but there has been you know, there's been some discouraging. What what dropped him to the fifth round was I think a combination, it's clear now, a combination of two things. His size and his inability to see it quickly enough, and that leads to him holding on to the ball and taking a shitload of sacks. I mean, he is on pace to shatter yeah. the NFL record for sacks. But they don't have a great offensive line either. And I don't know. I, I've seen enough to to want to see more. But I don't – if you – I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I think um, the sacks are problematic because everyone can fall back on. Our offensive line is injured. Our offensive line is terrible. The 2.6 second league, as you know. Yep. That's what you got. You got 2.6, take a couple steps, diagnose what's happening, and get the ball out of your goddamn hands. That's it. So, you know – the sacks are way more on the quarterback a lot of the time than we give it credit for. So that's that's troubling, but isn't part of the reason that he was a fifth-rounder is because he came back for one more year and his draft stock was higher the year before? Yeah, it was. You know, I've talked to enough people like, well, I had Scott McLuhan on the show, and Scott said, look, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, guys don't drop – from first round to fifth round because of stats. You know, his his senior year... So what was it? it? It was something else, clearly. And at the time, he didn't have an answer. Did McLuhan elaborate? 
No, he didn't necessarily have a, a clear answer. He said there's something there. Did McLuhan get hammered with him? I mean, that could have <laughs> stop, been. Stop, stop, stop. We, we're not doing that because that got that got uh, Chris and I in trouble one of those years, and we didn't even say it. Um, but, uh, but um, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, uh, sorry. I, I, I think he just said, I said, look, statistically there was a bit of a step back because he didn't have his best weapons and he didn't have his two NFL running backs and the offensive line. And he said, yeah, but you don't go from the first round to the fifth round because statistically you went back a little bit. They know what he was working with that year. They know he didn't have the same group. I think ultimately it was, you know, the sacks. He took a lot of sacks yeah. in college. You know, the processing, you know, the speed as they refer to it. What what do you make yeah. of the of the Washington situation right now? You know, two and three with truly a one sided beatdown loss to Chicago on Thursday night. Um I don't know how much time you spend talking about them on your show, but I know you have an opinion. So what's your opinion about what they are this year? Well, step one, get rid of Snyder. Mission accomplished. Super Hallelujah, Bowl. dance in the street. We won the Super step Bowl. Step two is <laughs> get rid of this turd coach. I mean, seriously. Andy is like, don't worry, he'll be gone at the end of the year. And I said, well, then what are you waiting for? Well, you know, it's not going to matter during the season. And I'm like, send a message. Send a message we're not fucking around. Like, there's people now saying, look, I'm glad Josh Harris is not Dan Snyder, and I don't want him, quote, meddling and everything. Right. But there's no reason you can't get in there now and start making some decisions. Anyone who watches Rivera, and more importantly, listens to Rivera, knows this guy ain't it. And he's costing you at least a game or two a year. So big picture is great. The owner is out. The coach has got to be next. Quarterback probably has another year of figuring it out. Depending on where you land in the draft, you got to take another quarterback. The defense, I mean, that's such a weird situation. They should be way better with all the draft picks and all the money they put into that side of the ball. And the draft class this year has been horrific. Oh, my God. I mean, you're probably going to have to fire, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the, the Martys, all the Martys. Well, that last point you made, I think I agree with everything you said prior to that. Because the other day, for whatever reason, everybody five weeks into the season, everybody seems to be you know, doing a segment on their show or writing a column on how the 2023 Washington draft class was a complete bust. You and I have both been NFL you fans. You think early? Oh, my God, yes. I mean, it's... Wow. You, how can you? Nobody's playing. It, but, one guy's playing. He's playing terrible. Everyone else is not even playing. Yeah, but Zabe, one of the reasons a lot of the guys aren't playing is until last week they hadn't had any injuries, none. And by the way, they were a two and zero football team. You know, through the first two weeks. Okay. So I, right. I, I just, I, I don't think. I think it's you know ridiculous five weeks into their rookie year to evaluate a draft class. Usually, it's hard to do it after two years. Um, a lot of the guys. True, but I, I, I do believe, I do believe your first rounder should play almost right away, and should be making some kind of an impact. 
but we know that does that doesn't happen every year with every team. In fact, they're probably a no, third that don't make it any kind. But that's but if you don't have your first rounder playing yeah. at all, or if he's playing and not making an impact, then you messed up that first round pick. I think. I think it's too early even on Maybe that. It's realistic. it's disappointing that he got benched, no doubt, as a first round pick. Um, but the the thing about this this roster is that. People, for whatever reason, you know, people they they jump on this idea. Oh my God, let's focus in on how bad the draft was this year. I mean, and since they sucked the other night, why don't we play these young players to find out? Well, most of the players that are playing are young, you know, and getting their first opportunities in their or their second year. I mean, Cameron Curl and Jamin Davis, and look, even the defensive linemen, you know, are, are relatively young. Allen and Payne sort of coming into their primes. You're not going to bench them. Um, Benjamin St. Juice looks like a really good corner in his third season. He's starting up, you know, he's playing a lot more. It's really their right. offensive line that has some age to it um, in some spots, but even Sam Cosme, you know, it's his third season. Um, right. the, the kid, uh, Sadiq Charles, in his fourth season. It's like, I don't, I don't know. Like, no no one would be – I'd like to know, what are the, what's the 49ers uh, for, uh, draft class doing so far? I mean, obviously they're great. And you're not going to bench anybody. But I wonder how their draft class is doing so far. Um, so, yeah, we won the Super Bowl already with Dan being gone. That's true. Rivera – I think everybody's come to that conclusion. Me, definitely slower to the punch on him. Not that I thought he was great, but I think he did. Are you finally? Are you finally there on him? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm ready to move on. I, I, I think he's ready to move on. I think a lot of the, you know, I don't care what he's, I don't care what he's ready to do. Yeah, I'm tired of him saying the most illogical, stupid things after most illogical, stupid decisions. He makes, he says a lot of dumb things. He forgets a lot yeah, of what he compound, said. So do we. He, he compounds dumb decisions with dumb explanations. It's it's the darndest thing ever. Not As the, his attorney, I'd say, just don't talk. Not the best communicator. And that would be great yeah. legal advice. Uh, Ron, you're not allowed to talk anymore. Um, right. So what else? What about Dak and Dallas? He's just not good enough. He's the black Kirk. What? That's great. I think I think Dak Prescott has handled the job <sighs> of quarterback, Dallas Cowboys, the second hardest job in America behind president, with incredible uh, poise, professionalism, right. on the field, off the field, in the locker room. But he just doesn't have that sense of, okay, I got to get rid of the ball, or okay, I'm going to step up here. There is not much Dak magic when it comes to how he plays the game, but he's very competent. He's a pro's pro. Who knows if you know he'd still be the player he could be before the ankle got blown up? It's probably taken away some of his mobility. Yeah, but he's just okay, and that's that's the problem with the league. The league used to thrive on teams saying, you know, we got a quarterback, he's fine. I mean, no one's going to have a poster of him in their room, you know. Jeff Hostetler, Ken Anderson, and we're going to go all the way. We're going to win the whole damn thing because we can run the ball, we can play defense. That league that you and I grew up on doesn't exist anymore. The entire league is unicorn hunting to try to find the next Mahomes. 
Or Burrow. Yeah, Ken Anderson. Or Herb. Ken Anderson was a borderline Hall of Famer, by the way. Um, was but, he really? Yeah. Am I, am I besmirching? But he was a <laughs> yeah. boring player. I yeah, mean, you know, boring Jim personality. Hart, like yeah. Jim Hart. Jim, Jim Hart. Hart played for a long time. <laughs> you know, he was just a guy that dropped back and could throw it 6'5". Yeah. Big dude. Yeah. By the way, you know, for the opener, they brought back a lot of there? players, and they brought back they brought back Jim Hart. Nobody, nobody. First, he was a one year, even one year Redskin. But even you, me, I and Andy barely remember Jim Hart being a Redskin. He was a Cardinal. I know. I know, and I hated him as a Cardinal. Yeah, because he cut our hearts out multiple times. No, I, I had this argument with Andy. I said these reunions have needs an editor to say here's who we're inviting. It's not like if you ever put on one of our jerseys, you can come back. And this was from the Darnerian McCants invite for him to come back on, you know, Alumni Day. I'm like, come on, man. Nobody cares about him. He doesn't get an invite. Oh, if you're going to have a, you know, homecoming, you got to invite everybody. I'm like, says who? Where? In what charter? Is that Geneva Convention? You should say, if it was me, and this is just me, I'd pick a dozen ex-players a year. Who are who are our selected honorees? So that way you let the public know we're not saying it's a company picnic; everyone's invited. You're saying here's 12 guys from certain periods of the team's history that are significant that we would like to bring them back, and they're alive and they can walk without a, a walker because <laughs> nobody wants to see that. <laughs> Don't want to see the old. The old football heroes wheeled out in wheelchairs. Depressing. <laughs> it really is. But I'd, I'd pick 12 a year, and I'd say, here's the 12 honorees, and stop inviting these guys back. Where I always get Andy stumped is I say, okay, invite one, invite everybody. Does that mean Hainsworth? <laughs> no, 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 that, that guy, that asshole, no. Definitely not him. And I'm like, well, now you're breaking your own rule. He's like, but for that guy, I will break my own rule. What if the 13th guy is Darnarian McCants and he says he's going to pay for Chipotle to cater the picnic? That'd be good. That'd be good. <laughs> You're in. Way, you going to bring Sue Cravens back? <laughs> no. Josh Doxson. Oh, I mean, they did, bring, they did bring uh, RG3 back. But big difference. RG3 had a magical season here. He did. I, 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 mean, I have no problem with RG3 coming back. He's an important part of the team's history, even though he was a – Comet that flamed out it very quickly, and it got very messy at the end. Okay, here's another one. They're going to play the game of would you invite this Redskin back to the annual picnic? Well, uh, Sue Cravens, I had. Who else was a real bag? I'm trying to remember. Um, um, uh, there's, there's, there's a short list of guys. You're like, oh, that guy. Yeah, I mean. Uh, Oh, God, why am I blanking on the guy that, you know, said that God told me not to sign the deal? Oh, yeah, Sean Gilbert. Sean Gilbert, thank you. Sean Gilbert. Although, Sean Gilbert, the Sean Gilbert trade. We bringing Brandon Lloyd back? Are we bringing Stubby back? Are we bringing Archuleta back? No, yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Archuleta was a nice guy who said, look. He's good on the air. offered me X. Yeah. What's that? He's actually good as an analyst. Yeah, he said the Bears offered me X, but then the Redskins blew it out of the water. What was I supposed to do? Of course. Can't blame him. Yeah. And then they couldn't use him. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. There's there's some good names to remember. You're like, no, nah, I really don't care to see that guy again. You going to bring Jim Zorn back? 
Um, yeah, right. Can you imagine? Got to bring Vinny back? Well, that's the thing, is that, you know, the people that aren't, you know, hobbling out or being wheeled out are from, I mean, not everybody, but they're from an era in which they just lost. And, you know, and I've done, I've done this with Cooley many times, and I say to him, look, I love you dearly, uh, but you played in an era which we don't like to really even acknowledge some of us. I mean, it just, it was... It was painful with from ownership to you know on down, and the results yeah. were terrible. Um, but doesn't mean they're not great guys and good to talk football with. Uh, what else? You gonna bring back? You gonna bring back the five kickers from the five kicker year? Oh, you did you just pull up the list? <laughs> no, I, I don't have. Because you list, know you, you can pull it up. It'd be great. Well, what you know you know, kicker you know kickers. You know kickers. This is your this is your spot. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, we're gonna are we gonna are we gonna be able to recite it? <laughs> I should be able to recite it just off the top of my head. Kai Forbath. Um. <laughs> uh, oh my God! Recently, Dustin Hopkins. Brett Conway. Brett Conway. Conway was Conway good. Conway was pretty I know, good. He got hurt. John Hall. Wasn't he? John Hall. Yes. From the Jets, <laughs> the former Jet, I believe Eddie Conway, Murray. Eddie Murray. Jets. Eddie Murray. No, Norv yeah, sent him out. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Two thousand. Eddie Murray begat Michael Houston, who begat Chris Hepner. No, no, I'm going the wrong way. Scott Bentley, the Florida State phenom. Scott Bentley begat Brett Conway, who begat Chris Hepner, who begat Michael Houston. Who begat Eddie Murray? Oh my God! You want to invite all those guys back for the picnic? I oh don't. My God, I just remember that last game for Norv, which was the giant game when he got got fired after that game, and it was nine to seven. And Eddie Murray told him, "I can't kick anything outside of forty-five yards," and it was a forty-six or forty-seven yarder. Norv said, "Get out there and kick it anyway," and of course, it came up a yard short. Um, but uh, as I as I recall that, it was worse. They went out to kick it. You had the basics right. They went out to kick it. Then they called timeout. They went back to the sideline, and then Eddie Murray did a U-turn, went right back out, tried to kick it, landed back line of the end zone. And we found out after the game what happened. He said, I told Coach I can't make it from this distance. And Norv said, nah, sure you can. Give it a shot. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, go on a timeout. Time uh, time Coach, I cannot make this. I literally cannot kick it this far. Norv, oh, well, you know, I believe in you, kid. I go out there and kick it. <laughs> oh, the fun times we had! Back oh in the my day. God! Uh, yeah, that was that was that was season number two under Dan, which was, by the way, Zabe, and I, I went through all of the preseason odds. Um, at some point, I did it during the summer, during the whole Snyder, you know, is leaving thing. It's the last time before the 2000 season that Washington was actually considered to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender. 
like they were top three, top two to three in Super Bowl odds heading into that year. Remember, that's the really? you know Dion Bruce of, Smith coming off of the missed field goal in Tampa. Exactly. Here? Well, they never they never got the kickoff. Remember the snap by the right. you know, snap. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, wow, that's the lot. Good work by you. Well, Good I mean, degenerate I, research by you. I did. I didn't Deal. think that there was a year during the Snyder era in which there was actually legitimate preseason hope of being good, no. and the only season was that 2000 season. Uh, what back was then. the What was the highest odds in August when the Super Bowl in the Snyder era? Fifteen to one. The best odds to win the yeah. Super Bowl was 2000. They were they were like seven to one to no. win the Super Bowl. No, but I mean, since then, what was the highest it rose to? Fifteen to one. Oh, they they weren't. I you mean like what was the next best odds year heading into well, a season? Yeah, yeah, right. So at um, any point during Snyder's oh, tenure, other than the two thousand, oh year, the the seven oh the the twenty sixteen season and the two thousand and six season, they were you know they had over unders at like nine nine and a half, and they were you know somewhere in that top ten range of Super Bowl odds. You know they went. Well, what's the number? Uh, well, I went through this. It's, it was a while back, but it was probably somewhere in the twenty five to one. You know, thirty to one okay, range. So twenty five, somewhere one. around there. Yeah, so twenty to one. So never better after that second year. Never better than say twenty to twenty five. No, 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 no. That that was a year in which remember they won the division. As you recall, they lost to Tampa after beating Detroit in the wild card round, and they signed. You know, they did fantasy football. Dan Snyder year one with Bruce Smith and Dion and Carrier and Jeff George and the whole thing, and people believed in it, and they had them as the NFC Championship favorite. And I believe that the Ram, um, they were right there with the Rams in the NFC. Yeah. Uh, and I forget who the AFC team was now, actually, um, that, that, was, yeah. uh, that was up there. But anyway. Uh, how, uh, how'd, how'd that season turn out? I forgot. Eight and eight. Good one? Good one. <laughs> was it a good season? Eight Not and, a good season. Eight and no. eight. Not too good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, new times are here. New times are Just here. Got to get rid of this coach, and then we'll see if uh, if Howell's really that dude. Fingers crossed on that. Uh, thanks for doing this, as always. Appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Uh, my gym in two weeks? Uh, abs- yeah, absolutely. And probably by phone. When you say your gym, it's a home game, yeah. but by phone. Yes. Anytime you, anytime yeah, you want. Home game by phone with SEC refs. Is that okay? Uh, Neutral conference referees. I would listen. The road team gets their refs, so for me, it's Big Ten refs. We got to go Big whoa, Ten refs. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> you're not bringing Ted Valentine to my place. <laughs> not gonna happen. Good call. All right. See ya. Hope you're well. All right. All right. Bye, buddy. See ya. Bye, bye. Zabe, everybody at Zabe on X on Twitter. Uh, back tomorrow with Tommy.